Welcome to another episode of the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. I am your host, Georgia Canning, and today we are going to talk about the behind the scenes of planning and producing a dance concert. I'm sure, being the new year, that you are being bombarded with goal setting, habit trackers, and all sorts of specifically new year, new me topics. So I thought that this would be a breath of fresh air to kickstart the topics of conversation in the Balanced Ballerinas community. Speaking of conversation within this wonderful community, please don't forget to join the secret Balanced Ballerinas Facebook group ASAP. If you are not in this group, you are totally missing out. It brings me so much joy to see conversation between ballet teachers, studio owners, parents of ballerinas and adult ballerinas. So go click join. I'll be sure to accept you. Everyone is welcome. And let's get into today's topic. I have a question from Erin. I'm interested in the makings of a concert. I'm sure there is far more that goes into it than we could ever imagine. In all honesty, I could talk about this for hours and go into every detail. But I think the easiest thing is to break it down into documents. Okay, bear with me. I know that sounds very boring, (laughs) but I have a lot of separate documents for separate parties when it comes to the concert. But before we get into that, preparation for the concert begins really as soon as the previous concert finishes. I'm not even joking. The day after the concert, I email the theatre to give them a rundown of our bump in and out times, any feedback in regards to their team and the running of the show. And then I book in for the following year. After this email is sent, I then send an email to our videographers and photographers to thank them for their time and effort. And you guessed it, I book them in for the following year too. Your big and very like important vendors need to be booked at least 12 months in advance. And because these are companies and businesses outside of your own, you have less control. So you need to ensure you have them locked in and under control. I've used the same theater and photographer for the past nine years. Shout out to Move Photography, who are absolutely incredible and a local Gold Coast business. However, I have been through many videographers before sticking with the one that we currently have now, Um, who we've worked with for the past three years, and he's quite amazing. Video is tricky. A lot of people think that videography is cheap for some unknown reason. I, you know, I think it has something to do with DVDs back in the day being so affordable that people expected their child's concert DVD to also be affordable. But mind you, we don't even use DVDs anymore. But we started our videography journey with, say, a high quality, high price option and had many complaints about the cost. Then we decided to go with a very low cost option that turned out to be, expectedly, very low quality. During this process, I actually polled our clients and asked for their opinion. And the feedback I received was that they enjoyed the cheaper price with the higher quality videography. No surprises there. And honestly, though, not an option that was available At the time, it was very frustrating because I just couldn't win. It It wasn't a situation that I could provide. But fortunately, these days with the advancements in technology, the gap between cost and quality has actually closed slightly. And we now go with an amazing company who offer a very affordable service. But every student has to purchase a copy of the concert. That's the 
that's the deal. <laughs> so instead of it being an option, which can leave videographers and studios out of pocket, for the price of two coffees, every student receives a digital download of the concert, which they then share with friends and family. And this also stops people from purchasing one copy and sharing with their circle of friends, if you know what I mean. Anyway, moving on to those sounds very boring concert documents. I have so many during concert time and the first thing I do is create a folder on my desktop that houses all of them. To be honest, I don't know if this part of the conversation is a little boring, but you asked for the behind the scenes, so this is it guys. The first document is our end of concert note that has all the details for our studio families. This is usually just copy and pasted from year to year with minor tweaks from past year learnings, constantly streamlining our process. However, the past two years also had a COVID section, unfortunately, that outlined any additional requirements that were enforced by the government health directives at the time. The note includes venue and date, parking, an explanation of their concert invoice, commitment, where to purchase tickets and who needs tickets. You know, we have to explain that no prams can come into the theatre and, you know, students or children, sorry, under a certain age need to buy a ticket. All this has to be really clearly explained so that there's no confusion when they show up to the theatre. The note also includes hair and makeup, photography, videography information, raffle, what to bring, what to wear, arrival and pickup times for both the technical rehearsal and performance days, COVID safety directions and um, a final call for further questions via email. So as you can see, a lot of information has to be communicated to families and I really break it down into these subheadings. So it's not just a huge page of hard, boring text, which is difficult to navigate. The hardest thing about concert time is actually getting parents to read the notes. And we often receive many phone calls saying, I can't really be bothered reading it. Can you just outline the important details for me? To which I reply that I have really been as succinct as possible with the information and it's important that they just just sit down for five minutes, please, with a cup of tea and, you know, read in its entirety. It's so important that you approach these kinds of conversations with care. I know, for example, that parents are extremely busy around this time of year whenever concerts are happening, usually very overwhelmed. But as my mum says, welcome to being a parent. <laughs> the way that I personally tackle this is that I explain the more organized you are before concert weekend, the more confident your little performer will be on stage. And that always seems to do the trick. Now, something really important. We don't overload our students and families with multiple rehearsal days and periods. When families change to our studio after being for sometimes many years at others, they comment on how easy our concert weekend is. And that's all it is. One weekend. We don't add any additional rehearsals that are outside of their usual class times. I truly believe that you should be able to choreograph routines in their class time. 
We have always run a technical stage rehearsal day on the Saturday with performances on the Sunday. And as our studio grew in size, we added two performances, a matinee and an evening to accommodate all the families coming to watch. We simply couldn't fit them all in for one show. And it's nice too, because it gives the students a chance to perform again, because if you were say growing up as a child if you had one concert think back you would finish and you'd be like oh my gosh I just want to do it all again and this actually gives you the opportunity to do it all again so two shows works really well for us Um, any more than that and I feel like our families would be overwhelmed but yeah we keep it really simple with those two days now a side note As we've really grown in size, we've actually run two concerts every year for the past five years. One for our pre-prep to prep students that our performance teams also perform at in November. And then a month later, our big end of year concert in December. This allows us to really celebrate every tiny tot and ensure that they're not tired and overwhelmed amongst the big girls in the December one. I put a big girls in quotation marks because those little ones, whenever they look up to the older students, they're just the big girls or boys in their eyes. It's very cute. And it's really important that to create, you know, a beautiful experience for those little ones who are participating in their first dance concert and having them part of the big one doesn't really allow the attention to detail and care that I believe they really deserve in that moment. And this particular concert only runs for one day as opposed to the big one, which is two. The rehearsal and professional photographs are in the morning and then their parents come back to watch them in the early afternoon for just one session. Simple. Now, the next important document is the technical rehearsal run sheet. So this document is broken down into 10 minute time slots to accommodate every concert items, technical, rehearsal, staging, and professional photography. This is the document that I send to all my staff, including photography and videography persons, so that everyone is on the same page with how basically the Saturday technical rehearsal will run. This document does not go to families or students. I can't stand running late, a trait of many in the performing arts industries. In fact, I usually almost always finish early and this document keeps me and the team on track. Super important. Once I know the routine titles and themes and the feel of them, I begin creating the stage manager notes and the audio and visual tech notes. I told you, I have a lot of documents during concert time. The stage manager notes document is for the stage manager, aka me, and the person on opposite prompt side of the stage. This person stands on the opposite side of the stage to me, and as I call each number, they ensure that each group is ready to go and that all props and quick changes are accounted for. This document lists every event taking place just before the curtain opens, from curtain warmers turning off to the announcement of an interval. Obviously, that includes every performance item, and we even put whether the item starts on or off stage, whether there's props involved, 
and whether it includes a visual video backdrop to be cued or whether it's just a still image. So since having all my fancy podcasting equipment, I actually also pre-record every announcement, introduction or call for example interval. Having to pull your headset off, which I have to wear during my stage managing and grab a microphone, then having to ask the tech guys to turn that microphone on to make an announcement can be really super annoying and I'm often out of breath or just anxious with a wobbly voice. By pre-recording these simple announcements, I have a more polished concert that really just flows. No kind of like testing, one, two, three, is this mic on? (laughs) And for the past couple of years, I've even experimented with adding sounds that match the theme of the concert. So last year we had water and bubbles to match our ocean theme. And this year I had birds chirping to match our seasons theme. Super fun and creates atmosphere and vibe for the audience. Fun fact, I have never been in the dressing rooms during concert time. I mean, obviously I go down to wish everyone luck before and help reset or pack down afterwards. But when the show is actually happening, I am side stage on prompt side with a headset on calling the show. Via this headset, I talk to the person on opposite prompt side, assisting me and the lighting and audio technicians in the tech booth. And I have always found this to be really the safest spot for me. I'm too much of a micromanager to be in a dressing room space with over 150 students. And more importantly, I have to, as a leader, trust my staff to have everything under control. And I am honestly, honestly, guys, blessed beyond belief to have a business partner, aka mum, who is a magician with organization, costume design and dressing of students, which we'll get into in a second. That second document I mentioned, the audio and visual tech notes, is a document that I send to the audio and visual technicians that is more of a table with the following headings. So I list item number, whether the item is starting on or off stage, whether it has projection or HD, the style, the mood, the costume color, and any staging notes. For example, um, if I'd like a spotlight at the beginning and then at, you know, one minute 20, the spotlight fades and then the whole stage is lit, something like that. This document assists them immensely with their job and ultimately makes rehearsal days run just so much smoother. Instead of me trying to tell them what I want as the students are rehearsing on that Saturday, they can look at this document and begin listening listening to the music and like plotting the lights days before, making final adjustments on the actual day when they see the dancers in front of them. On that note, I also trust the technicians completely. Like this is their job after all, their expertise. And I've found that when I let them go creatively, we achieve a far better outcome together. Obviously, there are times when something isn't working or I have a very specific vibe and direction I'm going for. But in general, I always let the experts do their job because that's the kind of respect I expect from people employing my services. 
In saying that though, I actually choose every backdrop for the concert. Not lighting, the lighting just complements the visuals that are on the back LED screen. The visuals are either a still image, moving video, or a combination of both if I'm feeling really fancy. <laughs> but finding the perfect visual for each performance item can actually take me so many months. Um, so I do try and get a head start on that. Now, I know some people will be listening to this and thinking, what happened to just a lovely hand-painted hanging backdrop? Yeah, no. Whilst that's cute and sometimes I wish I was in a country town and could have a quaint backdrop that didn't change for the entire performance, we run what I would call a big city studio where parents and students expect a full visual experience with all the bells and whistles. I mean, students can create the most amazing videos on their iPhones these days, so it's only natural for them to expect that on the screen behind them whilst they dance. Now, the technology that an LED screen provides actually has its perks. I use hardly any props to set the scene or vibe of a piece. I actually hate props, always have. I think you're just asking for trouble with multiple props. Let the dancing speak for itself. Not to mention that children drop, break and lose them. Okay, so I think that's documents covered. I'm sorry if you found that boring, but honestly, the behind the scenes of concert time really is just a lot of documents. <laughs> now, on to costumes and theme. Question from Kate. How do you choose a different theme every year? Good question, Kate. Honestly, there are some years that I have no idea and decide in about June when my mum begins harassing me for costume notes, which is when the costuming process begins. And then there are other years when I have the theme ready to go in December for the following year. For example, one year I went with Christmas because I was feeling really uninspired by anything around me and that just felt like an easy go-to. Another year I had the theme already worked out 18 months in advance. For example, after watching Breakfast at Tiffany's on a cold winter's day, I decided to do a Tiffany's inspired ballet complete with pre-primaries dressed as little diamonds running out from behind a gigantic Tiffany blue box. And another year, I took direction from the students who were Harry Potter obsessed at the time. So we did a witchcraft and wizardry theme that many still to this day proclaim as their favorite ballet we've ever created together, which is so cute. But when it comes to like the classics, Nutcracker, Swan Lake, etc., I really steer clear of these because I find very few families are interested in watching an old-fashioned ballet and it's more fun to have a bit of a creative license and come up with a fresh concept that's a bit more modern. In my opinion, and I'm sure many of you will actually disagree, leave the classics up to the professional ballet companies. You will attract more praise from your families and especially the dads if you just do something a little bit more let's go with relatable but on that note I think it's really important to strike a balance between 
executing your vision for the concert and realizing at the end of the day that it's just a children's dance concert. By making this comment though, am I in no way diminishing the importance of creating something spectacular for children? No, no, no. I've just watched too many studio owners, including mine when I was a little ballerina, get incredibly flustered and stressed over students, other teachers, volunteers, audio or lighting technicians about not just getting their vision. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about us, the studio owner or choreographer or teacher. It's actually about the children and the weekend being a positive experience for just everyone. Now, before I go into every concert weekend, I tell myself a child will probably drop a prop, the lighting guy will probably miss a cue, a student's hairpiece will probably fall out, things inevitably happen. I mean, you're working with children and a child's dance concert is not going to be perfect. This little pep talk that I give myself is probably why so many people ask me why I'm so calm during concert week. And when you're quietly calm and confident, everyone around you adopts that attitude and that feeling. Last year, I expected so many things to go wrong and just accepted it. But guess what? In accepting Hardly anything went wrong. And I think that's because I was ultimately the most prepared I've ever been in my ninth year of running a concert and exuding a quiet confidence in the process. I also had an incredible team this year or last year that really pulled everything together in an elegant and professional manner. I was very, very proud of them. Now, question from Summer. I would love to hear about preparing for concert week, please. So talking specifically about concert week. Concert week is funny summer. In the week prior, I've ticked off everything I need to do so that I can enter concert week feeling incredibly organized and on top of everything. But the main reason why I tick everything off two weeks prior is actually because in that final week, there is always unforeseen things that pop up. Sometimes your technicians contact you to let you know that a backdrop isn't working well or one of the audio tracks isn't up to scratch quality wise. Sometimes a group of costumes were supposed to arrive but are stuck in transit. Other times you have a student injured and need to re-choreograph sections and sometimes you just need many more hours in the day (laughs) to respond to parents inquiries about concert weekend. But usually in the week leading up to the concert, I go through all the documents I've previously mentioned and ensure that everything matches and resend copies to all staff so that they're prepared and confident leading into the weekend. I also prepare certificates for graduating students. I do thank you cards for volunteers a participation medal for every student, and I start assembling gifts and catering for staff on concert weekend. I basically like to make sure that everyone feels appreciated and really well fed. No one likes a hangry dance teacher. And if you're running an event and your staff is working really hard, I feel like you should always, always feed them. (laughs) Now, so far in this conversation, I haven't even 
begun to cover social media marketing, ticket setup, event signage, dressing room allocations, and program artwork. I also keep notes under a simple concert heading in the notes app on my phone for any random things that I need to recall, remember to respond to. For example, just looking at my 2021 notes section, I had notes about a technician's name that I just kept forgetting, but he was so lovely. So I wrote it down in my notes so I wouldn't forget. I had my personal list of guest tickets for friends that were coming just in case they forgot. Um, I had a switch that I had to make in the dressing rooms And I had the note from a parent who insisted her daughter is asked by our staff if she needs to go to the bathroom every hour. Honestly, I do actually pass these messages on to my team and they are brilliant at actioning these sometimes unnecessary requests. Now, question from Bethany. How do you deal with selecting students for roles and handle disappointed children? In all honesty, Bethany, this is another reason why I avoid the classics like Nutcracker and Sleeping Beauty. Too many main roles, and that means too many disappointed faces. When you're running a recreational studio like I am, I really don't believe it's necessary to announce to the studio who is playing the lead role or post a cast list. It's just not necessary. You're asking for trouble. If I ever need to dish out a lead role, it goes to one of our graduating senior students or someone who spends more time at the studio than any other student. And these instances are really rare. For example, in my Tiffany's ballet, I wanted a short solo to depict the scene where Audrey is playing guitar and singing Moon River on her windowsill because I had a beautiful one minute and I think 20 second track of instrumental Moon River. And I really wanted to use it, but it was too short for a group piece. I had three seniors graduating that year and two of them were already performing a duo at the concert that they had been performing during the year. And that was to celebrate them graduating. So I offered the solo to the third senior. So she had a moment in the spotlight. In my first year or two of owning a studio, I'll admit I made the mistake of handing out some lead roles and it just led to bullying, bitchiness and unnecessary drama. I'm just not about it and I can't be bothered. So I just try not to ever put myself or my students and their parents in that position. Now, another question actually from Bethany, my only performance experience as an adult ballerina became a bit heartbreaking because of how the group was divided into two groups. How do you manage your adult performance groups? Firstly, I'm so sorry, Bethany, that you had such a poor performance experience. As I've mentioned throughout this episode, a concert should be a wonderful and positive experience for all involved, and teachers should never take actions that divide the group so much that it creates a sour taste in one's mouth. You see, once upon a time, I ran an ABC, adult ballet company, who very successfully performed at competitions and then again at my younger students' end-of-year concert. It was a wonderful experience and we had many fun times over quite a few years. 
Um, but unfortunately, as this studio exponentially just grew over the last couple of years, I had no room in the timetable to accommodate such a class. But I do actually hope to bring this option back to my adult dancers in the future. So if they are listening, stay tuned. <laughs> I promise it will come back eventually. But a few things to sort of consider from your teacher's point of view. I know that a lot of my students who are in the group but new to the ba- you know, new to ballet felt more comfortable always being in the back rows. However, one day I did have a client ask if she could be in the front and when I did pop her there, she came to me again and asked if she could be put in the back again as she couldn't handle not having anyone in front of her. Now, this kind of back and forth whilst I love feedback and collaboration was honestly really disruptive to the planning of choreography and I wish she had have trusted me and my knowing of what she can and can't handle. I also find that in an adult performance you can have so many varying abilities, strengths and styles you know whereas children they have all been taught the same style and are at a very similar stage in their training. I've often thought about how I will personally structure the new adult ballet company when the time comes, and I have a few ideas up my sleeves, but for now, my answer to the original question, how do you manage your adult performance groups, is that I handled my adult ballet performance group with actually a lot of difficulty. I found it really challenging. Why? Well, costuming, that's a big one. Whilst everyone wants to wear a costume, Adult bodies and minds have very different thoughts on color and cut and design. Some want to wear a tutu whilst others couldn't think of anything worse. And usually I had to make the final call on costumes and some weren't happy with the final choice. Another is scheduling and commitment. Adults leave really busy lives and there wasn't a week that went by when I wasn't receiving messages an hour before rehearsals started with every excuse under the sun. And I'll be honest, it was really exhausting and really took away from the experience of other dancers who showed up religiously every week. You know, I also had an adult client show up to a performance drunk, but uh, that's a story for maybe another time. Now, moving forward, I have, with hindsight, thought about some structure and ideas that combat commitment and costuming, choreography and technical ability, while still remaining true to the wonderful beauty of being part of such a special group of women and men. I've never had any men in my ABC, but I hope that in the future, I could potentially have some men. That would be fantastic. Could do some part of her. Now, question from Erin. What is your opinion on concerts in general? Do you think they take away from class learning? One of my previous studios only did a concert every second year with a simple classwork showcase every other year. Great question. Firstly, whilst I totally respect your teacher's decision and can see why she made that decision, personally, I think I I wish I could do that. I think not having a concert every single year is detrimental to the success of your business and the success of your business ultimately serves your students, your students physically and mentally and what you can offer them. 
So the concert is the beacon of light at the end of the tunnel for most students, especially those that don't do ballet exams or competitions. They need something to look forward to and show off their skills. And let me tell you, my students and parents love costumes. That is the highlight of their year. Especially in COVID times too, studios often at the moment can't have things like parent watching weeks or even parents popping into the foyer to say hello due to capacity restrictions. And whilst we now run um, at my studio digital parent viewing weeks, it's just not the same. And the concert reminds parents what they're paying for. And more importantly, this allows the studio director to address the community they love and serve. Every year I prepare a speech that only goes for about five minutes and I usually talk about our goals as a studio, dreams for the students or a theme that's inspiring and driving me. But most importantly, I thank everyone for giving their child the gift of dance. You can send all the texts, emails and newsletters and printed notes home, but you will never have a captive audience like you do at the concert. If you're a studio owner, I implore you to always have a speech prepared. It's not cute to just awkwardly say, oh, hey, thanks for coming. And uh, yeah, thanks to my teachers. Um, Sorry, I'm not really good at speeches. It's just not cute. Whether you like it or not, you are a role model for your entire community and most importantly, for their children. Show up prepared, poised, and humble. And this is a huge part of my preparation for the concert. And I put a lot of thought into what I'm going to say in those five minutes. And if you're not the studio owner, all teachers should also present themselves where very well and never underestimate, never underestimate a well thought out post on Instagram thanking your students and dance community. We've covered a lot today and I just wanted to say that I have had so much fun sharing this behind the scenes look at concert time with you. Of course, there's actually so many things I didn't cover, but I think this gives you a pretty good snapshot. If you enjoyed, I'd love you to let me know via my latest Instagram post. I'm going to post a photo of me during concert time backstage with my niece at her first big girl concert. So she did this year, the first end of year concert in December. Now, when the curtains closed on the evening show and I took my stage managing headphones off, I do what I always do. I quietly stand side stage and watch my students dancing and cheering, riding high from the buzz and just excitement of concert weekend. Trust me when I tell you, it is a beautiful sight. And then I spotted for the first time a family member amongst these students. My little niece, Pippa, is the first family member I've ever taught at my studio. And this is a new experience for me. Her eyes locked with mine. And in that moment, I couldn't help myself. I scooped her up and I gave her the biggest hug. It's funny because she never usually lets me do this. Ever since she started ballet, I'm no longer Arnie Georgia and I've become Miss Georgia at family events. I'm not sure she can separate the two, which is kind of funny. 
Pip is a beautiful soul that thrives on discipline and respect, and it's really adorable. But I think that's why she's more into copying me than she is into having chats or hugging. However, in this moment, she just let me hold her and melted into my arms. Part concert exhaustion and a small part of me wants to believe, part love and pride for her auntie who pulled off a pretty damn good concert this year, if I do say so myself. Anyway, our backstage photographer captured this exact moment and I will treasure this photograph forever. So go comment on it so I know you listen to this episode. I would love to hear from you and it's just like a really beautiful photo that I want to share with you. Anyway, welcome to 2022 Balance Ballerinas. I am feeling optimistic and pumped for the year ahead. And if you need any help with goal setting or balance, head to balanceballerinas.com for my free intention setting worksheets. There's actually a link in the show notes below or send me an email to hello at balanceballerinas.com as I love to hear from you. Peace and plies always. Bye.